0: This is Mighty Oaks, a programme about age. I'm Owen Handlon, and this week episode 7 titled Four Wheels Good, Two Wheels Better in which some of Dublin's enthusiastic older cyclists talk about the thrills and challenges of cycling in the capital.
1: The hook that cycling has is the feel-good factor. My name's John Piggott and I'm the owner of the Bike Rack in Johnstown Road in Cabin-Tealy. An awful lot of people are out there riding their bike, not to keep body, uh, the body beautiful, but to keep their head together. There is no better tool for keeping your head together than riding your bicycle.
2: I'm uh, Geraldine Griffin. So I took up cycling when I was 47. Um, wouldn't have been into sport at all before that. It takes your mind off any stress or any problems or anything that's worrying you. I think it's, it's great, really, mentally. Um, I know recently we, they had stress control uh, meetings here in Malahide, and they've all been told to go out and exercise. So exercise is very good for you.
3: It's rhythmical exercise, and you've time to observe, you're up at a reasonable height, your eye level is in my case about 1.6 meters above the road surface. You can see over walls, you can see over hedges, you can hear because you don't have, um, you're not inside a metal box, you can hear birds singing. Dr. Mike McKillen, um, I'm the present chairman of cyclist.ie which is the network body for all the cycling campaigns on this island, it's an all island body. And it's just that ability to observe your city, your urban area, and that just brings a sense of well-being. For instance, on the way in, in the morning, I can stop at Bowles Bridge, at the bridge, and look down in the daughter and see the Heron uh, the perched there, about to begin his fishing for the day. Can't see that in a car. Professor Richard Mulcahy, who's a cardiologist, I think Richard Mulcahy must be in his 90s now and he's still cycling around the place and still giving advice as well on cycling and staying fit and healthy.
4: If you go out for a walk, you'll feel better when you get in. The same can be said about cycling, no matter what it's like and all the rest, by the time you get home you feel better.
5: I'm Jackie. You're saying that you're getting up early on a, on a whatever morning, Saturday or Sunday morning, when you could be lying in bed, and it's quite hard to get out and motivate yourself to do it. And for the first half hour, you could be climbing one hell of a hill, and you're saying, what the hell am I doing out here in this cold weather, climbing up a hill and in pain. But then after, after that, that subsides, and then for maybe half an hour into the cycle, then you're actually starting to enjoy it. And by the time you reach home, you could keep going cycling like yourself. Oh God, this, this is great. I enjoy this. Maybe I could do another 5K or 10K. I don't really want to go home, you know.
1: When I'm training, I kind of have a rule. You often go home. You don't feel like going out training, but I always make the deal with myself. I'll go out for 20 minutes. And if I don't feel good after 20 minutes, I'll just come home. In 20 or 30 years of cycling, I think I've turned home twice.
4: Dublin is an, an extraordinarily suitable city for cycling because it's flat. I'm living here in, um, in the Audre Lee area here and the only hill, as far as I know, in Dublin is uh, the Deer Park, just beside us. <laughs> Even I, at my age, being in the 90s, I can still cycle my bike up that hill. It's no trouble.
3: Dublin is a particularly safe city for cycling and walking. They're actually, the accidents, the road traffic collision statistics for cyclists and pedestrians in this city
6: are really um, exemplary. I commute as much as I can, as often as I can. name is Sean McDonnell. I live in Clontarf, work in Ratmines. Uh, it's cheaper, quicker, more efficient. So I get up in the morning, get on the bike, and I stop in town for a cup of coffee. I don't have problems worrying about car parking or anything like that. I have my cup of coffee and a scone in Kios in Trinity Street. And then I come on into the office where I have a shower, change into a suit, and get on with the day. And likewise, going home, I just get home in no time at all. In the mornings, it takes me from Clontarf to Rathmines in the car between an hour to an hour and a half on the bike, it's a half an hour. Sometimes I use the car parks either in Drury Street or in, in Dawson Street, uh, where they have facility for parking bikes, which is very convenient in around the centre of town. It's more secure than leaving it on the street, all right. But um, and, and they're central enough, and you can get around anywhere from there. But unfortunately, there's none that I'm aware of on the north side of the city, other than there's one down in Smithfield, I believe, I and haven't, I haven't been in it if you're going to have a car park there should look, every car park now uh, and those coming on stream if any should uh, have a facility for parking bikes as well and encourage people to cycle it'll make the city more efficient because they're talking about restricting traffic again in the centre town uh, as in O'Connell Bridge in like a walking area or minimi- minimal traffic um, it's for pedestrians and cyclists and I think you know if you're going to do that then provide us facilities where you can lock your bike away
5: safely I think the infrastructure, is it, it really needs, like I mean, if you go to Amsterdam or if you go to Germany, so many people out cycle and it's a way of life. And, you know, the, the roads are so much better, you know. So, yeah, I think really an awful lot could be done to help the poor cyclist.
6: <laughs> there is a cycle path from Clontarf, which I now believe they're going to introduce a speed limit on. Um, and then you're out on you go to the park or else around the park and there is a cycle path but if you go around the park you're competing with, with pedestrians then you got to get out into traffic There's this site there's no cycle lane from there on except again up on the footpath uh, at, at, um, at North Strand Bridge which is dangerous enough and I find it just so much easier to stick stick with the road rather than the cycle path. Uh, and then you meet another cycle path as you go through the five lamps uh, and, and that's fine except buses are pulling in in front of you and cars are trying to get into the petrol station there but other than that it's after that there's, there really isn't anything worth talking about as in as in facilities for cyclists you just cycle with the traffic and you just keep your ears open and listen and you know hope everything works out
5: I'd nearly rather cycle out on the road the main road than go on the cycle lanes because there's potholes and there's lumps out of them and it could cause more of an accident trying to avoid a pothole on a cycle lane than, than anything else. So now I think an awful lot more could be done, especially when they introduced the bike to work scheme.
1: I'm sure it's been as much success for the government as it's been for the bike trade. Because if what they want is a healthier population and cars off the road and um, just well-being for the, for the population, then they're doing the, the cycle to work scheme is doing its job very well. And it's really, it's kind of self-financing because it's not that they lose everything on the deal, they'll get the VAT on the sales of the bike, but they're saving the health service, you know, down the road is gonna be, they're gonna be paid back handsomely for
5: it. You know, there's so many people out there cycling now.
1: You just meet a huge
6: number of cyclists everywhere you go, especially in the Dublin Wicklow Mountains. There's no shortage of them.
3: got to bring about a cultural change, both at government level and everyday citizen level as well. And also a cultural change in traffic management policies. I think my appeal would be to, particularly bus, taxi and coach drivers, you've got to take a lot of care when you're in bus lanes. You do not own those bus lanes. You are sharing them with cyclists. And you cannot overtake us from within the bus lane. Most bus lanes in this city, and indeed all of our cities, are a nominal three metres wide. Your vehicle is already nearly that width, particularly across the wing mirrors. If you're a a Dublin bus driver, your wing mirrors are set quite low on the uh, bus body, and it can actually hit the head of a cyclist. So bus drivers, you have to leave the lane if you want to overtake cyclists.
4: I find the drivers in Dublin are really very courteous, and they're very good. I think in general, I think they have, uh, they treat the cyclists very well, despite what the cyclists may say. But in general, they do, and they keep well away from you. But
6: accidents can happen. I find when I go out with a club that you're more inclined to get, get lunatics out on the road, blasting the hornets or shouting abuse. Um not that you get that much of it, but it does happen. And to cyclists, those of you out
3: there who believe that red lights don't apply to you, you need to wise up. You're actually damaging all of us by your behavior. Um, you are dry in, in riding a bike, you're driving a vehicle in Irish and international law, and you need to stop at red lights, and to stop at stop signs as well, and stop lines.
4: We we've made such huge strides in, uh, in transport, and such hu- huge strides in the behaviour of motorists in this city that we can do the same for cyclists.
6: People are careless, as in cyclists are careless, pedestrians are careless, motorists, everybody. And everybody forgets that everybody else is careless. So you've just got to be ex- extra cautious. But generally, people are fine, they never have any grief at all from anybody in town. As you're interviewing me, I'm looking out behind you there on Pier Street,
3: and I believe that more than a handful of drivers are actually exceeding the speed limit on Pier Street. And Pier Street is a multi lane, one way street, and it's the, the predominance of these cycling hostile and pedestrian hostile streets in our city that have actually ruined the experience of, of what a city is actually for. Cities are for people. And it's people in a city to do their business, to be able to talk on a street without the noise of a bus, you know, drowning the conversation. And we've got to reclaim our cities for what they originally were. They're not traffic highways, that's for sure. And that's the cultural change that we have to accept. But let me make it clear, I'm a driver. I'm multimodal. I have a license and do drive a car. I drive a motorbike, a big trail bike, a 750 cc trail bike. So I am, and I'm, I'm also and I'm predominantly a cyclist around the city. So I know what it's like to be a driver, to be a cyclist, and to be a motorcyclist. And I'm a petrol head. I actually don't. I drive a high-performance car. So I have no difficulty changing the culture. When I, when I wear those three hats.
1: You know, women, uh, the cycling is, levels the playing field quite a lot. And women can compete shoulder to shoulder with men. And if, you know, for women's got, got talent, uh, if she's got natural ability, she can easily overcome a bigger, stronger-looking male counterpart. You know, your your eight stone lady can kick your twelve stone muscle man's ass.
2: I giant sword cycling club. And I was the first lady member there. They didn't have any women until I joined. And uh, I also was the first lady to win the, the League Cup for Women. At the time, I mean, I'm 71 now, so I was 47 at the time, or 48 when I joined. For the first year when I joined, I would have gone on several tours, and we cycling from Swords to, to Drogheda, and it was all with men. It was... Uh, Totally men, And I remember on one occasion it was Mother's Day going to Drogheda and unfortunately I had a bit of a fall at Blake's Cross and I was the only woman in the group. There were 20 Mm -hmm. men. But after that then women joined. There were other men cycling and then when they saw me I think I was, their wives joined. So then swords changed completely.
5: Well you see when I first cycled it was just a means to an end to get from A to B because where I worked there was no direct bus, so best thing was get the bike. And um, then when the children came along, well, the bike more or less went into the shed, came out a few times. But then, yeah, I'd say three years ago, my friend and myself decided we were going to cycle around the back roads of Wexford, and we went out, I suppose out of boredom. <laughs> we were on just to keep fit as well. Any tour or
2: anything I have done in recent years, there's a huge amount of women a few it has totally totally changed. but like that, a lot of the women, um, you know they're fairly young there there aren't that many older women um, not that I know of anywhere, but uh, but there's a huge change. There's a lot of women now cycling. it's it's got very, very popular.
1: The balance has moved away. It was it was often. I think it used to be more a young man's thing. Uh, and again, that was probably economically driven. Young fellows couldn't afford a motorbike or a car, so they, they'd have a bike. Some of them would have would have a bike. Nowadays, they you've probably heard about mammals. M a m i l. Middle aged men in Lycra. Older males are probably more susceptible to the cycling bug than any others. Because it's a low, tensi- it's a low intensity activity, so it's a low intensity sport. Uh, there's no impact like road running, you're not, you know, something along the concrete all the time. But they say it t- if it takes you one horsepower to, to walk for an hour, it only takes you half a horsepower or less to cycle for an hour. And how that translates into a form of exercise is a guy who thinks he's re- pretty unfit, uh, if he gets out and cycles and, he's, and he gets through the pain barrier of warming up, which takes 20 minutes to half an hour, and hears something all of a sudden because out, he does an hour or two on the bike and he comes home feeling absolutely great and he thinks oh yeah, I'll have some of this. So middle-aged men in Lycra, that's probably the predominant, if there's a predominant uh, profile, that's probably him.
7: Well this is Paddy Griffin here and I have been cycling since I'm now 71. I have to Think back in the years, but it's 71 last March and I've been cycling since I was in my mid-40s, actually.
2: Last year we were both uh, 70.
7: We never dreaded 70. Never dreaded, you know, what we talk about, what are we going to achieve for our 70th year? And I suppose that was the influencing factor why uh, we decided again, Our Geraldine decided, that she would cycle from Head to Melonhead.
2: I had done the Mizzen to Melon twice before, we had done it in 2008 and 2009 and last year I decided I'd like to do it for the 70th birthday and it's uh, 420 miles and we completed it in 4 days. I thought it would be a great achievement. Uh, there are women cycling but there aren't that many women of 70. That, that I know of anyway I do know somebody else that's about two years younger but apart from that there aren't that many older women cycling and uh, I thought it would be a nice achievement at at 70 to, to do that as well as that we were raising money for charity so that was another reason.
7: Because the last time we raised forty-two over 42,000 euro for charity
2: I actually found it grand because um, um, when you're with Paddy Griffin he, you'll have to do your training so I had to do when I was doing it before he said "You," I said would I be able to do it and he said you will but you'll have to do at least two thousand miles training so last year um, I wasn't able to get all that training in but I think I did about one and a half thousand or so miles beforehand so with the training because we went out every weekend. We also went out during the week and you start doing 50, 60, and then you're up to 80. And then before you, we did this cycle, we did a couple of hundreds. So by then I was, the legs were well able, so I was well ready for it. So I actually was trained well and I was perfect.
7: To arrive in Mellon Head, <coughs> most people were emotional, believe it or not. And one girl I remember that was in the group, another lady much younger, but she cried pers- profusely. Having achieved that. We tend to always do something special for Alberta and there is uh, a lot of people say oh my god I dread being 40, I dread being 50, I dread being 60, but I always remember for our 55th year uh, Geraldine always said that she'd like to cycle back to County Clare. Now we're from West Clare, I'm from Milltown Melbourne originally, Geraldine is from Kilrush, and from our house here in Malahy to Kilrush is 185 miles and we left here one morning very very early at daybreak and uh, with a couple of group of friends with a small group of friends we cycled from Malahi to Kilrush and we completed it in a eight, in 12-hour cycling time
2: especially at this age uh, as we're getting older it's great because we share an interest
7: and it has kept the family together Geraldine and myself where normally letter couples may go their separate ways because they have nothing in common. Being able to share an interest and again I'm not stressing cycling alone but for us it has been cycling and it has been so rewarding. We're great buddies. We love getting the bikes out and going off racing off together.
1: There are guys of 70 plus who are racing. I race with the vets at the weekend uh, and there are guys of 70 plus out there who would kick your ass. Cycling more than almost any other sport allows a man to really perform you know, well into old age, which is, again, another reason perhaps for the profile because it's hugely... It's got, that's got to affect your self-esteem. You know, if you are, if you can go out and ride shoulder to shoulder with guys half your age. And if those guys are not, you know, fit or up to then you can kick their ass. A man of seventy kicking a thirty-five year old's ass is gonna make our seventy year old feel pretty good.
8: My name is Kevin Simms. I'm the oldest cyclist in Ireland. Well the oldest racer. <laughs> I'll be eighty two now in February. <laughs> I went to the World Championships last year. The master championships. I rode the over 80 race and I won three trophies, no two, and I went this year <laughs> I won three. <laughs> um, but the, the salary was very high over there, I'd say a lot of are expert festings, you know. But uh, I, I finished, I didn't, win a, I didn't win any races, but I raced, I, I rode three races, but I finished well up, you know. To start of the race, after a, a mile you're climbing, you're on a climb, you know, it was very tough in Austria. First time I was out the Alps, I couldn't believe it was so beautiful. And up, we worked 5,000, 5, feet, you know, the snow-capped mountains, and then the valleys with the with the lovely meadows, you know, the alpine flowers. It was beautiful. The air gets thinner up there, but I didn't find it hard because I've liked, you know, I think we, well, but you know, we were climbing with we good bikes and so we'd long gears, you know, not, not going to be, I didn't feel hard. And when I was Doing it. I did the when I was 70, 71, and I remember Don O'Connor was with us and he was over 70, he was riding with us. We're all in our know, late 60s or early 70s, you know, I'd love to go back alright, but I'd want to go back if a helicopter like, someone to go with me, you know, group or something like that, you know. I, I've lost a lot of weight I'd say, when I started back I was 11 and a half stone, I'd say I'm about another 10 stone now, you know. Ah, oh, wouldn't be would be as fast, but I, I'm still strong and healthy, yeah. you know. I can still stay stay with them in the races, you know, to be averaging twenty mile an hour, you know. But I don't kill myself. I never—I never did, you know. I, I enjoy it.
2: I never—I never take it as serious. I started a, a cycling group in Mellahide, which was just leisurely for—it um, would be for older people. It is still going. I don't. Go myself now, because I really didn 't have time. I was doing more serious training I just felt uh, not just felt down really going through the the menopause and uh when I took up the cycling and the exercise, I found it great. The day I went out, my mind was totally occupied with cycling and what I was doing and say watching the wheel in front, but then maybe the next day I didn't feel too good. But it definitely was a lifesaver for me, and uh, I felt at the time that there were definitely, there must be other women that felt low as well going through the menopause. So I decided to start a cycling group here in Malahide, And just again, it's good for women as they're getting older, their families are raised, and uh, they have time, extra time on their hands. When I was doing the Mizen to Melan last year, we had one per, a lady inquiring, and she rang here, and Paddy put her on to me. Now, she was around 50 so uh, she was asking me about the training and that, and I was telling her. And then she, she th- when she heard my age, that I was 70, she felt that really there'd be no problem. But unfortunately, on the first day, within a couple of miles of the start, she just abandoned. So it just proves age means nothing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
0: That's it for this week. Mighty Oaks was produced and edited by me. This week's episode featured music by Monk Turner Fasanova and Poddington Bear. Our theme tune is Canteen a Rag by Jackson F. Smith. To listen back to previous episodes of Mighty Oaks, just go to soundcloud.com mighty Oaks. To subscribe to Mighty Oaks as a podcast, go to feeds.feedburner.com slash podcast or search for Mighty Oaks in iTunes. If you've any thoughts about the show, email us at mightyoaksradio at gmail.com. I'm Owen Hanlon. Thanks very much for listening.